This morning I want to introduce a new series that for the fall will raise up the teaching and call of God in our lives to become overcomers. People who face life and overcome the challenges, the distractions, and the discouragements that seek to rob us of our faith and our vitality as fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. Each Sunday for the next several weeks, we will consider the message of Jesus given to the Apostle John to bring to each of the seven churches of Asia Minor. Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Theatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. The message to each of them is found in the book of Revelation, chapters 2 and 3. The focus will be on what each church is called to overcome. The goal will be to discover what is transferable to each of our lives and to the life of Bethany Covenant Church as we seek together and personally to become overcomers. Pray with me as we begin today. Father, may the words of my mouth, the thoughts of my mind, and the meditations in my heart be acceptable in your sight. And may the words that these people, my friends, hear, and the meditations of their mind and heart also be acceptable in your sight. You are our Lord. You are our Redeemer. Help us to be open and to be obedient to your gracious spirit, given in Jesus' name. Amen. There's a breed of people in our world that stand out. We admire these people very much. We acknowledge their courage and determination. We are amazed at their achievements. And I'm talking about people who overcome incredible odds. I've often thought that rock climbers are a very odd lot of people. They spend hours and sometimes days climbing the face of a rock that is often more than vertical in order to reach the top. Why? (laughs) But there's one climber in my experience that stands out above all others. His name is Mark Wellman. He happens to be a paraplegic. He became paralyzed as a result of a mountain climbing accident. He's become a nationally acclaimed author, filmmaker, and motivational speaker. Mark is an overcomer, one of those very special people. His dream as a paraplegic was to climb Half Dome, a vertical rock extending thousands of feet above the valley floor of Yosemite National Park. He was going to face and overcome the vertical challenge, which included overcoming his obvious handicap, legs that do not work at all. Months were spent in training, strengthening the part of his body that did work. He became incredibly strong in his upper body, able to pull his weight hand over hand for long periods of time. He was one of those guys, you know that rope that used to hang in the gym that they told you to climb? 
I never understood that, especially when there was no net below it. And if you didn't let go and started to slide, you just burned your hands. The rope burn was awful. He was one of those guys that could hold his, if he could have held his legs, would hold them out and just do it like this. Amazing what this man had learned to do. His goal was the top of Half Dome. Now I've got to tell you, there's another way to the top of Half Dome. I've done it. It's back around the back of Half Dome, then on to the east side of Half Dome, and there's a railing, and there's cable. You can hold on and make it all the way to the top and avoid the vertical face. Just saying. So his goal was to get to the top by climbing the face, and he was determined. Each of us is very much like this paraplegic rock climber, Mark Wellman. We have handicaps. Every one of us has disabilities. Things in our life we cannot change, but only face. If you're not sure about that, make an appointment. I'll help you find it. We all have them. And we also have strengths, things in our life that we can grow with, things that we can strengthen and become stronger and better at. And we have choice to be determined to overcome or not. The remainder of this message will continue to develop these three topics. We have handicaps. We have strengths. We have choice. Let's begin with handicaps. Every person in this room is handicapped in one way or another. Some of us have physical handicaps, parts of our body which don't work properly. And if you are not sure about that, just give yourself a little more time. I can tell you as you get older, those things develop fast that you can no longer do. Some of us have emotional handicaps, parts of our emotion that are damaged by trauma or illness or injury. And we can get very specific on all of this. And certainly these handicaps have contributed to who we are, to how we live, and what we accomplish in life. Much of that has to do with the choices we have made in our handicap, how we have faced our life, what we have done or not done because of how we are and what we wrestle with. I am not going to head down that road this morning, perhaps another sermon on another day. Instead, I want to point out a particular handicap that we each have, that we all have, and that it is a handicap we cannot overcome. It is the number one handicap of all humanity, It is the one handicap that only God can overcome and has. The handicap of our mortality. My own death. I cannot overcome death. And neither can you. When we begin to consider the call of God in our life to be overcomers, it will not be about overcoming death. We cannot do that. It is not possible. 
you and I can get to death on our own. But neither you nor I can get through death on our own. However, that's what I love about the gospel. However, what is impossible for us is possible for God. What is impossible for me to overcome has been overcome by God. Listen to what the Apostle Paul writes to the church in Corinth from chapter 15. Listen. I'm telling you a secret. All of us won't die, but we will all be changed. In an instant, in the blink of an eye, at the final trumpet, the trumpet will blast and the dead will be raised with bodies that won't decay, and we will be changed. It's necessary for this rotting body, don't you love that language? It is necessary for this rotting body to be clothed with what can't decay, and for the body that is dying to be clothed with what can't die. And when the rotting body has been clothed in what can't decay, and the dying body has been clothed in what can't die, then the statement in Scripture will happen. Death has been swallowed up by victory. Where is your victory, death? Where is your sting, death? Death's sting is sin. The power of sin is the law. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus the Christ. Jesus has overcome death, our number one handicap, and therefore has overcome the power of sin in our life. Our disability is Jesus' ability. And he gives to us the victory that he has obtained. He shares that with us freely. Death may still be an enemy, but in Jesus it's a defenseless enemy. It has no power. It has been overcome. Sin may still knock on our door, and it does daily, does it not? But in Jesus, sin will no longer bring us to death. Because Jesus brings us through death by his grace. Jesus was speaking with his disciples one day, and he said this in John 16. I've said these things to you so that you will have peace in me. In the world you have distress, but be encouraged. I have conquered the world. The world's approach to life is this. I can do it. I have control. I have power. I'm the master of my fate. I have an iPhone. I have an iMax. I have an iPad. I have I, 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 I. Here's the truth. I die. Jesus' approach to life. I love you. I will die in your place. I have life for you. The truth, by me you will live fully and forever. Death is a handicap that only God can overcome, and he has. We all have handicaps. We also all have strengths. Mark Wellman, the paraplegic rock climber, had strength. He trained and strengthened the part of his Life that was working, his upper body. He was determined to be an overcomer. Each of us is born and raised with unique perspectives and unique skills. Let me give you a couple of examples. 
Some of you have come into this room, and 10 minutes later, you can describe everything that's in here. Some of you have come into this room hundreds of times, and 10 minutes later, can't describe hardly anything. Some are strong at observation and remembrance. Others are present, but don't see a thing that they can remember. Others of us look in this room and are drawn to what's wrong in them, for them, in it. I've had wonderful people with the gift of discernment, but it was always negative discernment. What's wrong with this space? What's wrong with that bulletin? What was wrong with that sermon? What was wrong with reading that text when you could have read this text? You have those people in your life? I'm the only one? You're just not, oh, never mind. Others look in this room and are drawn to what is beautiful, and it blesses them. They see what's positive. They have the gift of prophecy in the New Testament, which is the gift of encouragement. What God sees as a potential in the life of his people. What is possible, because God sees that in us. Some people have that gift. They see what blesses them and others. Strengths may be defined as those abilities that come easily for us. Or those abilities we have developed that have become proficient in our lives. At times, the proficiency comes because we've faced a challenge and by God's help have overcome, like Mark Wellman did in Yosemite on Half Dome. This morning, I want you to consider one strength that each one of you has been given. And it's the same one for all of you. It's the universal strength for the Christian It's the strength of faith. The strength of faith. In his first letter, the Apostle John wrote, This is the love of God. We keep God's commandments. God's commandments are not difficult because everyone who is born from God defeats the world. And this is the victory that has defeated the world, our faith. Who defeats the world? Isn't it the one who believes that Jesus is God's Son? The overcoming that only God could do is ours by faith, by believing in it, by trusting in it. Our most important strength is faith. It's the strength that connects us and keeps us connected with God. It's the strength that makes us able to do far more than we could ever ask or think. It's the strength that brings the kingdom of God to bear on life in the world as we're living it in our location. It's the strength on which Jesus built his church. Peter said that he believed Jesus was the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus responded to Peter at Caesarea Philippi by saying this, I'll build my church on this rock. The gates of the underworld won't be able to stand against it. The rock Jesus was referring to was Peter's statement of faith. Faith is our primary strength. And we have choice. It may have come as a bit of a surprise that I would say faith is our strongest strength and primary strength. That may be because we give more attention to other strengths that we may have. Many of you have the gift and the strength of knowledge. You have amassed more information than some people will ever have in their lifetime. Some of you are very wise. 
and you see practically how something can be resolved and cared for. We have in this church amazing teachers at every level of age group. And there are particular abilities that people have that astound those who see them as those abilities are acted out. We may be thinking of lots of other things as our strength. Remember, however, faith is primary. It is the primary strength for us to be aware of and to develop. At the end of 1 Corinthians 13, we read, Faith, hope, and love remain. These three, and the greatest of these is love. Three things last, faith, hope, and love. Love certainly is declared to be the greatest. It is, after all, the character and the heart of God. But faith is given first. Why? Because faith is the necessary beginning to latch on to the God of love and the hope that love produces because of God in our life. Here is where we must make a choice. What are you and I doing to strengthen the faith we have in the one who overcomes for us? How are you working out faith in your life toward Jesus, who is the overcomer? The disciples had been unable to heal a young boy. The boy's father runs to Jesus and asks for help. Listen to what happened. Jesus said to him, All things are possible for the one who has faith. At that, the boy's father cries out, I have faith. Help my lack of faith. Don't we need help with our unbelief? We do. And this text points out how to get that help. It's to cry out to God, Help my lack of faith. Help my unbelief. God has overcome what is impossible for us to overcome, which means he can overcome anything else because the number one thing to overcome in life only he can do, which is overcoming our death. But God calls me to overcome what I can do something about, and he's willing to help me in doing that. I'm responsible for my faith in God. I'm not responsible for your faith. I'll try to help you with it. I'll try to encourage you about it. I'll try to give you illustrations that will help you go, oh, okay, I get that now. I'll do everything I can to do that. But I'm not responsible for your faith. You're responsible for your faith. I'm responsible for mine. What am I doing to grow and strengthen my faith in God is the question I must wrestle with. I'm responsible for my love for God. What am I doing to grow and strengthen my love for God? Where am I putting myself? What am I putting into my mind? What am I putting into my behaviors, my life schedule, to help grow my love for God? I'm responsible for my love for other people. I'm responsible for that. If I don't love other people, it's not because they shouldn't be loved. It's because I have failed to build a strength that God wants to help me with to love others, no matter who they are, no matter what they say, no matter what they've done, no matter what they look like, no matter, period. I'm responsible to obey God. I'm responsible to witness for Christ. I'm responsible for any laziness that's in my life. I'm responsible for any ongoing sin. I'm responsible for how I deal with I could go on. I'm responsible for those things. 
The thing I can't do anything about, Jesus has taken care of. I'm responsible for everything else. What am I doing to grow and strengthen these areas in my life? And like the man with the young boy, I can choose to begin by asking God to help me with my lack of faith, with my unbelief. In the book of Revelation, we find the Apostle John living in a cave on the island of Patmos. While there, he sees a vision of Jesus the Christ, holding seven stars in his hands and walking among seven lampstands. And he wonders. He wonders. Our creative design team has placed over here seven lampstands. These represent the seven churches in the book of Revelation, chapters 2 and 3. But listen to what happens in chapter 1. After John has seen this vision of Jesus with these lampstands, we read this. Jesus is speaking. Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead, and now look. I'm alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. Write, therefore, what you have seen both what is now and what will take place later. The mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and of the seven golden lampstands is this. The seven seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. Those represent each of the churches in Revelation 2 and 3 the names I gave you earlier in the message. And I don't think God just has a lampstand for those seven. I think he has a lampstand for every single church that's ever been and ever will be. It's a place of light. It's a place where he can shine. I'm equally convinced that the churches are responsible for how they trim the light on their lampstand. What they do to keep it bright, what they do to keep it effective for God's purposes. So here's the question for the morning. How's our flame? How's our flame? Does Bethany shine bright for God? Let's get personal. How's your flame? How's mine? Do we shine brightly for God? I pray that these next several weeks will help us to burn brighter and more effectively, personally and as his church. In this week, may we commit ourselves to do all that is necessary to overcome the challenges that we face and the responsibilities we have to keep our lampstand in good working order for God so that his flame in us personally and corporately can burn brightly and effectively. That's the foundation of the next seven weeks. Pray with me, please. You can join me in part of this prayer if you wish. 
This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. I won't let Satan blow it out. I'm going to let it shine. I won't let Satan blow it out. I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. I'll let it shine till Jesus comes. I'm going to let it shine. I'll let it shine till Jesus comes. I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Father, help us to help one another. Help one another to not let Satan blow it out. Help one another to let our light shine brightly until Jesus returns. Father, make the flame of your reckless love burn brightly in our lives, personally and together, as Bethany Covenant Church. Amen.